Give me five. Hey, Tom, Bradwin and Silver Newbridge, first time, long time. Brad, Bradwin? Bradwin, yes. Brad, Bradwin. How are you, Bradwin? I'm good. Uh, what's shaking in Weirdo Wood? Oh, uh, not a whole lot. Just kind of enjoying, uh, being here in Los Angeles and, and, uh, it's, 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 it's nice. I like it. I like it's it. Broadwin. Broad what's that? It's a whole different vibe, right? It is a whole different vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. Broad, broad. Brad, Bradwin or Broadwin? Bradwin. Bradwin. What? Uh, yeah. Okay. Bradwin. Okay. Broadwin. Okay. No, 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 no. B-R-A-D, like Brad, like Brad Whitford of, uh, kind of the unsung actman in Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think and, so? I think, you think people don't talk about him as much as Joe Perry? Well, here's a tidbit. I don't know if you knew this, but amongst the Aerosmith uh, camp, yeah, Brad Whitford, Tom Hamilton, and Joey Kramer are known within the organization as the LIT. The LIT. What does that stand for? The less interesting three. This is true. So people, when you say people in the Aerosmith camp, who are you talking about? I, I'm talking about the band and management. That they just refer to three of the f- five members of Aerosmith as the less interesting three. They do. They do. Someone on, on, on your staff can, can Google that. I think it's, I think it's out there. I, I actually, when you, the only thing I could think of when you said in the Aerosmith camp, all I could think of is what if Aerosmith opened a camp? Like Camp Aerosmith. I, I'm pretty into it. I, I think, well, you know, those guys were, were nature dudes from New Hampshire at the beginning. Nate, they were nature dudes. Oh yeah. Have, have you not read the oral history? Oh my goodness. So much, so much filth in there. I didn't read the oral history of Aerosmith, but they would walk around the woods and stuff. Well, they're from New Hampshire. Stephen, Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry. That's, I think that's where they met up in New Hampshire at, at a camp. So they're, they're nature guys. So I don't think it's out of, out of their realm of expertise. I mean, sure, they've suffered insane cocaine damage, but uh, that doesn't, that never kept anyone from being a counselor, as far as I know. But you could picture them doing like, Games like, like tug of war would be like, draw the line. You like, you draw the line, then you, then you do the tug of war, right? I don't get the draw the line part. Okay. Well, it's a one of the, never mind. Um, what can I, no, no, skip it. Just skip it. Just, like, I have gaping holes. Like, I know. I know about the LIT, but I don't know any song titles. Yeah, that's a weird thing. You got some inside information on on how the business goes down, but you didn't know one of their hits. Whatever, that's fine. Very weird stuff. Hey, speaking of Hollywood, yeah, what's that, Broadwin? Well, well, I'm sure you were there, but I didn't get to watch the Golden Globes because I had to help my pastor bury something. But I heard Ricky Gervais killed. He is. Uh, He's a he's a tough customer. You know he's what I mean? Loaded. Yeah. Yeah. He he goes he goes uh, he goes he goes all out. Goes to the, goes right for the juggler. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps perhaps you can confirm this. I've only uh, I've, I don't know if it's true or not, but is he an atheist? Because I think I heard him say it only one time. 
I am not entirely sure. I no. I don't. I like. I like his comedy because he keeps it. He keeps it pure and keeps 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 business like that out of it. Very pure, very pure. And, and when he laughs at something, he says it's never it's never fake. It's never a fake, shrill, overpowering, no punishing laugh that interrupts everyone's concentration and celebrates his own success only in comparison to people who have less than him. It's none of that. It's, word, it's warm. It's very, it's very warm. And you know who, who would know whether or not this is true or not? It is Andy Kindler, who I think runs the Ricky Gervais News Group. He does. He runs, he runs, the, he runs the fun club. Fun club. Okay, I'm yeah. going to write fun club. Ricky Gervais's Fun Club. He's the he's the president of that, right? And he uh, he's pretty tight with Ricky. Also, it's just he. I like that he just calls himself Ricky. It's just Ricky now, like Cher. It's just Rick. Yeah, just Ricky. It's like certain people you just know them by the by the first name Jack, right? Exactly. Yeah, Jack Black. But Nicholson, actually. So I thought, but. Okay. Or, uh, or, uh, like Arnold. Arnold from Happy Days. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, yes. Yeah. That was my second, my second. Hey, speaking of the film world. Yeah. I know you used to be in the entertainment industry, but maybe you've still got some contacts. Okay, Can that's you not true. Um, we'll find out if the original title of, you know, of this Roger Ailes movie bombshell was um hitting those hard t's yeah yeah hitting those hard that's because like i don't know this movie right bombshell which is the one which has uh uh, uh margot roby and and uh nicole kidman and uh charlie theron when she always really hits the T's hard in that. It's a, it's insane. Yeah. When she's playing, cause she's playing Megan Kelly. Right. Right. And, and, and I'll be honest, I don't, Oh my God, what's going on out there? What? What's that? Broadwin. I'm here. It sounds like there's a third party on the line. Is there a third party on the line? Very interesting sounding. I can't hear anything. Now it's gone. Is there anything on New Jersey? I'm talking, trying to talk to a caller, for goodness sake. I, I, I feel good now. It's gone. Whatever it was, it sounded like a child playing on streets of Jersey City or something. Bro- bro- Broadway, I apologize. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's uh-huh. fine. I, yeah. I've got all night. Okay. And I took all night to listen to me. Because, mm-hmm. well... <laughs> All right. Well, we were talking about the hard T's, and, and I, I have never, I haven't given enough attention to Megan Kelly, so I don't know if that's a true portrayal of her voice. I assume it is because Charlize Theron is is a is a great great actress, but it, it was just very interesting to me that she, you know, that that the heavy T, and, and it got me thinking of something. Well, I love, I love when you do Joe Namath. Oh, th- thank you, Broadwin. Thank you. 
greatest thing. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Because it's a similar vibe. Yeah. I was wondering. I was wondering if you would do a little riffage with me, where you are Joe Namath and I'm interviewing you. I'm Megan Kelly. And it's the Megan Kelly show and I'm interviewing Joe Namer. Can we do that please? Please. Sure, sure. Let's do a little bit of it. Oh, all right, okay, okay. <clears throat> and five, four, three, two. They never say the one on TV. No, they don't. I guess, I guess because it creates a, a certain amount of space. Exactly, exactly. I think it's for what they call editing. Okay, so here we go. Five, four, three, two. Today on the Megan Kelly Show, we have football great Joe Namath. Joe, we know you as a great quarterback, but what people might not know is that you have one of the country's largest comic book collections. Joe, what is your favorite comic book? Well, uh, Megan, thank you for that uh, uh, amazing question. I really enjoy when I get any opportunity to... Uh, talk all about my uh comic book collection uh probably my uh most proudest uh comic book is uh daredevil uh number two i have it's uh in mint mint minus condition and i really like to uh look at the pages of daredevil number two often when i'm uh laying around in my home I love when people say often, when they hit the T in often. Mm hmm. Do well, you, I, what I, if, you know, would be a good one would be is, uh, Joe Namath talking to, uh, uh, to, uh, to Jimmy Hoffa from The Irishman. Okay. How, how, I, I, I've only seen, uh, uh, three hours of this, so I, I, I can't really do yeah. it. Well, you didn't get, in, in two more hours, uh, Jimmy Hoffa shows up in the movie. You're gonna be, it's gonna be exciting, cause right now you're probably saying to yourself, what is this movie about with a, tw uh, uh, Robert De Niro looking like he's the love child of Alec Baldwin and Robin Williams? And, <laughs> with these insane blue eyes, that uh that make it look like he's Bill Bixby on the Hulk. That's exactly it. Oh my Which God. I do I do have to credit uh, uh Ronnie uh our friend Ronnie for saying that line. But I'm sorry right. Ronnie, I'm not stealing your stuff. That's dead on. That's dead on. Hey, speaking of television? Yeah. I heard this rumor between Seth at the gym the other day that you were going to be the fifth impractical joker for this next season, but you tested so poorly because people thought you were an animal. Well, that's a uh, very insulting. That that's, that's hurtful. So people were watching and they thought I, it was like the four impractical jokers and an animal. Yes. But I, I gotta say in some, in some, some cases that's just down to, to, to choice of clothing. Uh huh. Yeah. That I was wearing stuff that made me look like some sort of. Do you even know what animal they thought I was? Did people at the gym? Well, the guy I was talking to, I, um, the actual word he used was gorilla. A gorilla. Okay. A gorilla. Yeah. yeah. Sure. No. Well, I'm uh, I'm not a gorilla or gorilla, but.
Sure. Okay. Well, that's still hurtful. Uh, I will. I all, all I can say on that matter is uh, I, I like to try different things out in my career, and uh, I'm blessed by the opportunities. And sometimes they don't all entirely work out. And I appreciate uh, the tenderloins uh, and impractical jokers for the opportunities. Hey. There's always next season. That's what, that's what I say, you know, and, um, um, let's get, let's have some fun. Okay. I feel like I brought you down and that, that was a little not, bit, nor my, nor my intention. I'm yeah, sorry. A little bit. Okay. Let's bring the vibe up. Okay. My, my buddies and I play this really fun game and I'd love to do a round with you. If, if you've got just a few minutes to do it. Sure. What is the game? Well, the game is called What Would Have Happened If? And it's, it's kind of like that board game called What If, but there's just two more words in the title of this game. Okay. Okay. So basically how it works is you just pick a person or an event, and you have two minutes to paint a picture of what you think would have happened if some crucial part of that, that early story didn't occur. Okay. Okay. So, how? I'll start and I'll do one first. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me just think. Of show something. me. Show me how it's done. Okay. I think of a good one. Hang on. Um. Got it. Okay. All right. What would have happened if Fonzie from Happy Days never met the Cunninghams? What would have happened if Fonzie, the character from Happy Days, yeah, never never crossed paths with the the Cunningham family, who kind of became uh, a surrogate family to him? Exactly, exactly. They they they, as far as I remember, they they really steered him off the the bad path and and kept him on the the right path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's what I, okay. I think would have happened. I think Fonzie would have become more bitter and disappointed as his life went on because he knew he wasn't on the same playing field intellectually as most of the young people he was coming into contact with. I mean, let's face it, he, he had little education, no real prospects other than a lifetime as a mechanic in a tertiary city known for its production of bland alcohol and even blander alcoholics. Uh, I think the ensuing depression compounded with a lack of sense of purpose would eventually drive Fonzie to take more and more chances with negative, reckless behavior, you know, whether it's, it's dangerous driving, fighting, petty thievery. And, you know, on a, on a relationship business uh, level, you know, us, that, that F and Chuck behavior on display when we first meet Fonzie on, on the Happy Days show, you know, it already, it already kind of reveals him as a chauvinist at best, but an emotionally abusive, philandering creep is probably a more apt description of him. And I think it would only be a matter of time before Fonzie took advantage of and basically knocked up at least two vulnerable teenage girls who were already drawn to erratic narcissist father figures. I mean, imagine Fonzie as a parent. Can you, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. There's, there's really no reference to him having a, 
uh, like a, a problem with drugs or anything, but I, I think we all know it would only be a matter of time before he was drinking like a, a pint of hooch at breakfast just to face another day. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and between the humiliation of being unable to provide for his growing and unwanted family and his always simmering rage, you and I both know that Fonzie would eventually find himself scoring age in East Milwaukee with money he stole from his auto shop boss. Uh-huh. But that's not where it ends, Tom. Nope. Okay, so it doesn't end with Fonzie becoming uh, doing heavy, heavy, dr- hard drugs. No, oh no, 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 Tom. Pretty soon the night prowls start. Okay, what are the night prowls? Well, at, at first it's sorry, it's really it's dry. Well, it's emotional. No, it's well, it's dry, but it's also emotional because it's, it's a beloved American uh, life. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. So basically, it just starts out as peeping Tom stuff. Okay. But but soon, but soon that's not enough. You know, he needs to enter the house. So that's so he's enough. not. It's not enough for him to get his jolly staring in a window. No. Oh no. 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 At first, it is. Okay. But, you know, needs to go inside and he needs to let the owners know that he's been there. Mm-hmm. And then the sickness really takes hold. What year do you think we're talking about now? I, I, we're talking first season. So this is like 50s. He's he's this guy in the 50s. This is, I think we're talking about like 57. Okay. Wow. At this point, at this point, it's not just enough to go in the house's He needs to kill. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. Okay. And he finds victims nobody will miss. Transients, drifters, people of the evening. I mean, essentially, this guy's Dahmer 40 years before Dahmer in the same city. Wow. It's pretty crazy, right? It is. And and his his reign of terror on Milwaukee, it, it's horrific, and it lasts years. And he becomes known as the Beer City Butcher, the Blood Brewer, the Windbreaker Killer. Remember that? He wore a windbreaker in that first season. He did wear a windbreaker because the network didn't want him wearing a, a leather jacket because they made him look like a, a hoodlum. Right? And and it's like that's even less cool than a high school glee club letter jacket, if you ask me, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just not cool. It's just it isn't cool. And, and here's here's the thing: nobody ever discusses about Fonzie. He wasn't a big guy. No, he's probably like five six, five five, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I really do think that Richie Potsy and maybe even Ralph individually would have been able to overpower him given the right circumstances. Sure, just if they had the if they had the, the like the the confidence. 
Yeah, yeah, or just like one crucial step ahead of him in, in a fight, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I'll tell you, if, if that happened, once word of Fonzie getting his ass kicked by a nerd made it to the kids down at Arnold's, mm-hmm. huge death blow to Fonzie's self esteem. And you know what that means? What's that mean? Hello, cheese state strangler. What? What? I okay. Well, I don't know what that means. No, that's that's Fonzie. That's like that's another nickname that he becomes there. the Cheese Steak Strangler. Cheese State, S T A T E. Oh, okay, that's what threw me. Okay, he's the that's Cheese that's... State Strangler. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll cut to the end here. In a cruel twist, Fonzie ends up sentenced to the electric chair for the carjacking and bludgeoning of a local hardware store owner who was just on his home. His way home from work in the summer of 1962. Oh, I see this. I see where this is going. One Howard Cunningham of 565 Clinton Drive. Yeah. So it, it would say it's, 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 they it's. Never find the head. They never found his head. They never find the head. And then I guess that would mess things up that Richie would not become a, a journalist. Oh, he, he, he would have become like a, he would have been an institution. He would have been, been so messed up. Oh mm. my God. Okay. Now you do one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a little joyous, but it's just a fun game. Yeah. No, it is a fun game. I guess I could do one. Um, what if, okay, here's a, here's a popular one I'll do, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it in my own style. What if in 1970, the Beatles didn't break up? Like, what if they were all fighting and then say someone got them to the table to have another meeting and to be like, we got, we can figure this out, right? Right. Okay. And instead of blowing the whole thing up, they decide to just give it some space and they'll, they'll pull together. So I, I guess I would think that. Abbey Road would come out and then Let It Be comes out. And right. then, then maybe they all take a breather for a year, start doing different music for a year with other people, right? Each right. one puts out, like John Lennon puts out the Plastic Ono album and Paul McCartney puts out his first solo album. George Harrison puts out All Things Must Pass, which then puts him like in the lead because his, that's the, right. that's the, so when they, they start to reform, George Harrison's got a different attitude now. With oh it. my God. Like he's just like, Hey, I'm not some, I'm not just taking a back seat here anymore. It's, it's not just the two of you guys and me and Ringo. It's not like the two winners and the two losers. There's only one loser in the band now, Ringo. So, so he hasn't had any of his solo hits yet uh, during this hiatus. George. Ringo. Oh, Ringo. No, no. Ringo, Ringo has not. Cause he, he would put out the same dumb albums he put out, uh, the country album and the album of standards, sentimental journey. And it's always funny when these people say like, I recorded it for my mother. It's like, well, you can do other things for your mother too. The rest of us don't have to buy the thing for your mother. You know, you could buy your mother a boat or something. Yeah, yeah. I did it as a tribute to my mother. It's like, okay, great. What's that? 
sand, sand the back deck. Yes, <laughs> sand the back deck and tribute to your mother. Yeah. So yeah. they come back together, say around like seventy two. Mm-hmm. And George is now just like I'm kind of the I'm an equal here in the thing. Ringo does now Ringo that means he doesn't have any of those hits, any of the like photograph and all those things really don't happen for him. Right. So he gets kind of embittered. Then the 70s start rolling along. The Beatles put another album out in like 72, 73, say. What's it called? Please please have a name for it. Um what would be, let's see, uh, uh, let's, like, uh, lipstick daydreams. Ooh, nice. I was gonna say butterscotch something, but that's good. No, maybe, maybe I, I like what you just said. What if it's called, what if it's, what are like four different candies that they could each think that they're the candies? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. like, and it's like the, the sleeve is a candy box. Yes. And it's four slots in the candy box. Like, you can lift this. It would be a really expensive package because it's like, the Beatles are back with their new album, Butterscotch. I don't want to do fudge. Butter. A word that doesn't go with candy, like butterscotch concrete. So each of them, so they're not like concrete. So I thought each one, I thought like, George would say, like, I'm butterscotch. And, like, all right, they'd all right. pick a flavor that they would embody, they'd all be, right? I got it. I got it, yeah. So what candy flavor would Ringo be in, a in like, a chocolate assortment? Now, what if he, it's, what if it's, like, caramel, butterscotch, nougat? Well, the English are always talking about marzipan, yeah. so it's got that, right? So what if it's marzipan, butterscotch, like jo- G- George is, John is marzipan. Perfect. John is marzipan, George is butterscotch, Paul is nougat, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Ringo is just like cream filling. Like he's <laughs> all he's the one that no one wants, like when you get those boxes. Yeah, yeah. Like well, he's... Terrible. What's that? I hate the jelly. Do you like the jelly? No, the huge should just be the jelly then, and the jelly, right? Yeah. So it comes out. They put an album out. They're huge again. All the stuff that would end up on like Band on the Run and Imagine starts going on like Beatles albums. So it's like holy moly, these guys are putting together some great albums now, right? But then what rolls in? Punk. <gasps> Wait, oh my god, yeah. And you could picture John, couldn't you picture the damned trying to get John Lennon to produce that first album? Oh yeah, I think he'd, I think he'd be into punk, don't you? I think he'd be into punk, but would be really bad at it. Yeah, well like, I guess he was live during punk, but I, I don't remember him doing anything. No, he would miss out, he would think he understood punk. Right. But would not be good, would clearly not understand it. Would he still be holding his guitar too high? I think he he would get rid of that hollow body guitar, yeah. and he'd switch right. to like like what's a what's a punk guitar? Like a Mars right? Like Johnny Ramone played? Maybe? Sure. Like he would maybe like he would start hanging out with because if he came to New York at that point, he would maybe if he was more actively engaged in music still and didn't like pull away, he would be more like on the punk scene. 
tonight at Max's. John Lennon and the, the um, and and the razor blades. Yeah, tonight tonight at Max's suicide. The bill would be <laughs> what if it's what if it's like what if he started a punk band called Johnny Punk. <laughs> Johnny, right, yeah. Johnny Punk and the and the and the what would it be the Razor Blades? What if you know, what if it was John Lemon? John Lemon and the Mohawks. <laughs> what if that was it? Yeah, and then like when the Beatles come back to do their next album, he's punk on it. He's still punk. And then Ringo would be full on disco at that point. Also has the shag. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I want to do a disco song on the new record. <laughs> it's called Disco Drama. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Disco Drama. Right? <laughs> I like to dance around. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would go into the 80s. They're like oh a new wave. Then suddenly they're like a new wave would enter the picture. And you picture Paul. Paul would go so deep into new wave. Right? He would maybe, he would maybe even get, uh, uh, what was his name? Tom, uh, Tom Bailey to, to, to produce their record from the yeah. Thompson twins. Suddenly they would be just like, I want to get, I want to get the Thompson twins guy in to do our new record. I don't like the Thompson Twins. They're not disco enough. And then, of course, somebody would probably say that I'm not going to play any of that ass music. Of course, because they were then they then they would get canceled. Right. Then that would be it for the Beatles. Well, I loved. See, you're a natural at this game. Yeah. Oh, why? Thank you. I didn't even get to them going into like. 80s, like they would dress like Steve Winwood did, or Phil Collins. Remember when those guys wore those loose pastel suits? Yes, yes. Like you picture a Beatles album would be just called Loose Suits. The Beatles are back with their new album produced by Bob Clearmountain, Loose Suits. Loose Suits. It, it, it only makes it to number 79. Yeah. And then they end up in the queen slot in Live Aid. Yes. Because they need to do the comeback. What if they blow it, though? Well, yeah, what if they were terrible? They come out, they're just like under-rehearsed. And And they didn't have like a dynamic front guy. They didn't. A A single focus point. Yeah. They didn't. So he would come out, they'd come out, they'd be George... John would be like a little too confident to be like, I think you all know this next one and starts playing the wrong song or something, right? Or he wants yeah. to play like I dig a pony. Yeah. Like they're working with the setless Paul's like, we go to start with Hey Jude. And then John is like, John's like, why don't we start with I dig a pony? And then like they eat it uh, at Live Aid in front of the world. Real bad. Then, then they, um, yeah, then what would they do? The kinks petered. Remember how the kinks just kind of petered out at the end? And started playing small, like suddenly like the Beatles would play like the Beatles three nights at the Beacon Theater. 
Tonight at the TLA in Philly. Yeah, they're just playing like smaller places. Tonight at tonight at the bottom. The was it the bottom end? At the bottom of the hill in San Francisco. <laughs> no, no. What was the place in New York? Bottom line. Yeah, bottom line. Yeah. Tonight at the bottom line, the Beatles. Two shows. The two shows. Early show and a late show. Early show sold out. <laughs> Tickets still at the door for the late show. <sighs> and they just kind of, yeah, they kind of just fade out slowly. Then they would break up and then get back together and be like straight up nostalgia. Right. Well, what, if, what if the, what if they came back and 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 they uh, they did one of those uh, all tomorrow's parties? Yeah, like they they kind of curated one. Yeah, and it was the worst attended one. Yeah. I want to add a band to the lineup. They're called Shellac. <laughs> They're going, to, they're going to play at 4 a.m. Ringo super into, Ren and Ringo signs to touch and go. I'm working on a new album with the digits. <laughs> Corey says he wants the digits to back me. <laughs> I'm playing with Michael Gerard from Killdozer. <laughs> so I did one. There you go. I loved it. You're a champion at oh, this. You're, thank you. You're, you're oh my god. And and I hope this isn't a big ask, but I would love a favor right now. What what's that, Rodwin? Would would you let me have this opportunity to announce my my, my new charity? What what is your new charity? It's called the Ice Glove Challenge. The what, what the Ice Glove Challenge. What is the Ice Glove Challenge? Well, surely you remember the Ice Bucket Challenge, right? Sure, yeah. Well, this is just like that, only instead of dumping a bucket of ice water over your head, you pick up a boiling giant hot steel mug full of bubbling lava, and you see how far you can carry it while wearing a giant glove made of five-inch thick ice. Mm-hmm. And you get your friends to pledge ten bucks for every foot you walk before the ice disintegrates. Okay. And I nominate you, Tom Sharpling, to do the Ice Glove Challenge. What an honor, right? Wait, the, I mean, I would wear a glove made of ice that's like, you said, five inches thick? Super thick, yeah. But yeah. I would also be carrying a mug filled with, you said, lava? It, yeah, it's it's like a... Steel was the wrong word. It's like a it's like a cauldron, but it's in the shape of a mug. Okay, and it's, okay. Well, it's the, bubbling lava. Well, this I gotta just say, this sounds very dangerous. And how how many people have done this to date? You'd be the first. Why? Well, it just sounds really really risky. But it's a really big honor. Is it? It's, yes, it is. It is for charity. Uh-huh. I I don't know about this. This sounds like a huge physical health risk here. Look, you don't use that tone with me, you coin-operated weasel fart. Wait, what did you just call me? 
Oh, you heard me. I called you a coin-operated weasel fart. Well, guess what, Broadwin? I'm not going to do your dumb challenge. Yes, you are. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm really, and you're really driving me nuts, buddy. Calm down, honey, please. Please. What's going on there? Oh, it's it's my eight-year-old daughter, Jaden Antoinette. Hang on. Okay, no, I'm not doing it, Broadwin. I don't care what you say or how tough you talk. Look, I will beat your ass. I, I really uh, Okay, I'd like to see you try. Yeah, well, look in the mirror because it's the last time you're going to see your face that way. Oh, okay. You're real, you're real, real, real. Uh... Daddy? What? Okay, okay, just, just don't bite the dog, honey, please. Okay, okay, I'll sing it, I'll sing it. Daddy is a stupid head. He doesn't know mommy hates him because he makes less money than literally all of our neighbors and his car SSD. Are you going to do what it is or not, you filth pig? Filth? I can't believe you just called me a filth pig. Oh, I wasn't talking to you that time. I was talking to Jaden Antoinette. It was a rare moment of courage. Believe me, they don't come often. Uh, for you, what? Oh, no. What? She's really mad, Tom. Oh, my God. Her eyes are glowing, and there's a veritable waterfall of drool coming from her mouth. It's sick. Remember when D. Wallace sees the dog and says, Cujo, you're rabid. Uh-huh. Well, welcome to literally every day over here at our house. It's crazy. So you're just trapped? What are you, like a prisoner? Basically, yes. It's it's sick and it's scary. Mm-hmm. No. E- equal parts sick and scary? It's like 70 sick. 30 scary, but it, it varies. It goes back and forth a lot. Sure. Well, it's exhausting. Oh, I'm sure it is. Well, that's... It's... Ex- it's... Oh, I can barely stay awake at this point. Oh, no, Jayden Antoinette, no! Oh, my God. Why on earth did I give my poorly behaved eight-year-old child a real whip for her birthday? <laughs> oh, no, Jayden Antoinette! Why? 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 
You all right there? Hello? Broadwin? Well, that's a, it's a, geez. You clear that line, I guess. I guess he might not be, that was upsetting. That was really upsetting. I didn't like that. Didn't like it. 